0: Welcome back to Invited In, a podcast connecting the global family of Samaritan's Purse. Happy New Year, Samaritan's Purse family. I truly pray that 2021 has been a source of renewal and um, a refresh in your life. I know that it's easy to get distracted with all of the stuff and circumstances in life. And there's such beauty and goodness of being stripped away of the stuff. And so as we start this new year, I wanted you to hear from someone who knows what it's like to be stripped of things and forced to start over. Aaron Gallagher's family lost their home, their church, and their community in a fire. And North America Ministries partnered with their church, Paradise Alliance Church, over two years ago. And that has led to a partnership Aaron's husband, Josh, is the pastor of Paradise Alliance, and Samaritan's Purse helped after the fires, and now their church has been able to help and volunteer with disasters through North America Ministries. I wanted you to hear Aaron's heart. She learned resilience and dependence on the Lord in the midst of suffering, and it's such a great way to start the year, to hear her story, and to realize that despite our circumstances, we have a hope as an anchor I love Hebrews 6, 19 that says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Jesus has entered there on our behalf as a forerunner. And then it goes on to say in Hebrews 12, one through two, therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us, Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I love the way that Erin talks about how she was able to fix her eyes on Jesus. So here's her testimony. I know you'll be encouraged to hear from her today.
1: Well, my name is Erin, and we are currently living in Chico, California. I am married to a pastor. Uh, nothing that I ever thought I would do, but it has been so good. Uh, we have three children uh, the youngest is 11, or the oldest is 11, and the youngest is five. And uh, we have been in ministry for the past 15 years. And felt a calling that it was time to step out of the youth ministry area and the executive pastor and to jump into a lead pastor. And so we spent a lot of time in prayer and praying that God would open the doors. And that landed us in Paradise, California. We moved to Paradise in July of 2018.
0: Okay. And where are you both originally from? I know you didn't have family in California. You were kind of starting over and taking a leap of faith with the Lord. So where are you guys from?
1: Um, Josh is from Northern Minnesota. Oh, wow. And so grew up in um, Arvada, Colorado. So we've kind of been all over. We have never lived close to family. It's always kind of where God has taken us. And we just kind of start new wherever we go. And we were really excited moving to paradise, Um, really prayed that God would put us in a place that we could get some earthly roots, um, a place that the kids would consider home, that we were excited to go home to after vacation and really just raise our children in this town. Um, Mm -hmm. God provided us with kind of my Pinterest dream house, you would say, and we were really excited for what was going to happen Happen in paradise and what God was going to do. And little did we think that four months later, the deadliest, most destructive fire in California history would come through and take everything from that town. But it's exactly where He wanted us to be. And He made that so evident. And mm-hmm. to the point of the day of the fire, when we were evacuating and I looked at Josh and I said, if we lose our home and the church, we're gone. There's no reason for us to stay in this place.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And God said, well, there, your home. You're going to lose your home, but the church is going to stay on. So you're not done here yet. And that was, I think something that was really hard to accept, but we just took a step forward each day in faith and it has been the hardest, I think, two years of our life, but it has been so, so good.
0: Mm-hmm. And so um, many, you know, many of our audience knows your husband, Josh. You know, he, like I said, he's been to Samaritan's first. He spoke at Devotions. Um, we've been a partner now with your church and and his ministry for a year, a couple years now. Um, so I encourage people that if you don't know, to go back and listen to that episode. But Aaron, so... For those that don't know, here you are, you've moved in July um, and the fire hit in November. So you really only had four months to build friendships and community. And, and I'm a, we were a military family, so we moved a lot too. And I know how it takes a while to build, you know, a community and to build deep friendships. And so to walk through a fire that destroys, um, you know, your entire community, your church, everything, like you said, you lost lost it all. Um, What was it like and what did God teach you in that? Because I'm sure you had met people, but it wasn't deep. So how did, did, was God your everything in that time
1: when you lost it all? Yes. And you know, you, we can go along our life and we say, God really met me there. I really had to be dependent. And I would say that time, the nine months after the fire was the first time in my life that it was like wow like that dependency on god i really understand that because as i said yes we had made acquaintances um in paradise in that four months and fire and tragedy and trauma like that it brings out a whole lot and a whole lot of there was just so much going on. And as a mom, my heart was, we've got to get some stability for our kids. We've just moved. They're not connected in school. Their school has burned down. Like where, what are we going to do? And Mm -hmm. (laughs) spent a lot of time in prayer. And we really felt like the best decision for our family was that the kids and I would go back to Colorado where we had moved from, where we had been the year before and get them into an environment that was stable because knowing what the requirements were going to be from Josh through the church and that we didn't have a place to live and our longevity's sake to stay in paradise, it was best that the kids and I removed ourselves from nine months so you know i hadn't planned on being a single mom but here we are and we are i'm by myself and the kids are with me and josh is in an rv in someone's driveway and working all day every day and like god was the only thing that i had with me all day every day and to lean in and you know we look back now and it's like wow when we moved there we had three suitcases full of belongings the children the dog and myself and our first few nights we're sleeping on the floor with a blanket and the stuffed animal because that's all we had and you look back now and you say well how did we do that that was only by the grace and the strength of the lord that we made it through that and in it there was joy there was this adventure we were on and we were just following God step by step and he led every step of the way and transformation I think that I have seen in myself and in my children and our family from this you know you never wish a devastation like that on anyone but God has used that to transform us in such Mm -hmm. a powerful way
0: Mm -hmm. and so yeah so as you're talking you know so this fire you know most everyone listening knows you know hit Um, what, 150,000 acres um, of Northern California were just burned. I mean, so communities just obliterated. I think your community didn't about 90% of your total town leave. I mean, people just decided we're out of here. And as you're talking, um, you know, you didn't have deep roots. You'd been there four months. It would have been fine for you to say, we're out of here. You know, God, you've shut the store because 90% of your town left. Um, And just um, maybe came back eventually, but initially they just said, we're out of here. And when you said you went back to Colorado, you weren't leaving. Josh stayed. Like you said, he lived in an RV and he decided we are staying. We are going to love this community. But, you know, you you knew you needed to get the kids out of there because, I mean, even for a year wasn't drinking water not safe. I mean, it just wasn't safe to be there with the kids. So I just want everyone to hear you were intending to come back. You just needed to leave until it was safe.
1: Yep. That was our plan was we were going to come back. We needed to have a place that we could live and the water, you know, it was toxic and housing because all of paradise burned the housing in the community surrounding, there wasn't a surplus to begin with. Mm -hmm. So there was no place for so many people to go. And I think the Sunday before the fire, our church had its largest attendance um, in a while. And the day after that day of the fire, 50 percent of the people of our congregation, they never came back to paradise Hmm. because there was no place for them to go. So we we have children in other states or I've always wanted to live here. Now's the time to go. And so we knew that it was just temporary for us to go. And that also allowed Josh to really pour himself in. To the church and the community, which was what he needed to do. So we came and visited a few times. He came and visited. We stayed connected online through church for a while. Um, we just made it work. And then we moved back in, I think it was June of um, 19 that we moved back.
0: Okay. And so, like I said, you were committed to that community. You know, Josh stayed, um, and I, I remember hearing him share, you know, he just was praying, God, you know, the, the worker, you know, that Luke, the verse in Luke, you know, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You know, he knew this fire created, um, opened wounds and created a need. You know, people knew they needed God, um, and he wanted to help bring the gospel and hope to the community, but he needed help. And so that is when, and this is how our partnership, Samaritan's Purse, um, with your church uh, formed. You know, Luther Harrison was out visiting and came and and asked him how they could help. So can you talk to me about Samaritan's Purse coming and working with your church and your community and what
1: that looks like? Of course. You know, here here you are in the middle of this trauma, and now all of a sudden everybody has your phone number. Like his Mm -hmm. Phone was ringing all day, every day, from people all over the United States with these really big promises of we're going to come and we're going to help, we're going to give. And it was completely overwhelming, but they were very shallow and empty promises. And then I remember so clearly the day that Luther called and said, We're coming. And Josh called me right away and he said, Samaritan's purse is on their way. And the relief that that took off, the weight that that took off of his shoulder because of who Samaritan's purse is and what they do when they come. And the town of the water was toxic. And I think one of the first things that they did was how can we get clean water to this church? How can we, we are, this building is standing. There's not very many buildings left standing in the community. How can we make this a place that people can come to? And sure enough, God provided, and there was a well on site that was not used. And so now the church has clean water. Amazing. The church has clean water. And so Samaritan's Purse just stepped in, and from the moment they got there, they were there to help, and they weren't there just to help. They were there to help in the name of Jesus. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And that is so evident in everything that Samaritan's Purse does and you know, you didn't, I didn't know Samaritan's Purse other than the shoeboxes because that's what we've done for years. Mm-hmm. But the disaster relief side of it, they came, they said, they did. And there's still that relationship there. I don't see that relationship going away anytime soon mm-hmm. because of what Samaritan's Purse stands for. So to be on the receiving side of Samaritan's Purse as a lighthouse church, and then we actually got to sift our home. Um, with Samaritan's Purse. And that day um, I flew back for, we left the kids in Colorado and just Josh and I were there to do that. And we're getting warnings on our phone that morning of the torrential downpour that's supposed to be coming. And, you know, like we're not going to get to sift anything. It's winter, in Northern California, it rains. Mm-hmm. And so Samaritan's Purse showed up that day and our site leader walked around. And the thing that I remember so clearly was our site leader was so and just tell us about your home. Tell us what you're looking for. This genuine, sincere care for who we were as a couple, who we were as a family and our home was precious to them. Even though there's nothing but ashes left, they were so respectful and so loving through that. And to go through that day that you would think would be so hard and so depressing, but there was joy There was laughter. There were tears, but there was this overshining joy over everything. And this rain that was supposed to come, it never came. And this came out and it was beautiful. And the one thing that we had hoped that we would be able to find was Josh's wedding ring. Hmm. It was left that day. And I mean, there was, that fire was so hot. There was nothing recognizable left and we'd been there for probably two hours and the site leader was over working in the area that the ring should have been and he just had everyone stop and he just prayed the most honest and genuine prayer of lord help us find this ring like let us see you in this if this is your will let us see you Mm
0: -hmm.
1: we got back to work and he took the site leader took the rake and he took one like swipe over that area and On that last prong of the rake was this mangled wedding ring that was not even able to be recognized. It was so mangled. And in that, it was just God saying, like, I have you. I see you. I'm here with you. And it was amazing. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. I just, as you're talking, I just think of, and I'm going to find it so I get it correct. But when Job, you know, at the end of it all, when he says, um, hold on just a minute. It's going to take me a while to find it. But, um, you know, basically after losing everything, you know, he says, I, I knew of the Lord, but now I've seen him, you know, and just going through suffering, losing everything brought him, I guess, almost taught him something about God he never knew. And I, I feel like that's what happened with you guys. I mean, you lost it all, um, but through it all, it was a true refining process. And um, and yeah, you sifted physically through things, but spiritually, the Lord sifted you as a family and refined you. So can you talk to me about um, just,
1: yeah, what God taught you through that process? I think the biggest thing God taught me during that process is i fell more in love with jesus as my lord and my savior and that personal relationship because it's so easy to become distracted and tied up in all of the physical tangible things that you can hold and this gives me hope and this gives me encouragement and this makes me feel good and To have all of that taken away, which, you know, we've, we talked at one point in our early marriage, like, what if we just gave everything away? Like, we don't need all of this stuff. And my response was, no, like, why would we do that? Like, these are special things. Like this is, we need these things and to have it all removed. And there wasn't a choice in it. It wasn't, we didn't have a lot of time to grab those special things and it was just gone. But Jesus is saying, I'm here and I love you just as much today as I did yesterday. And I'm going to give you everything that you need. You don't need to find your hope or your comfort or your joy in these tangible items. Like All you need is me. And to see the overflowing goodness of God and how he just blessed us from people throughout the world. We're sending things, tangible things that were in need, but also we've been praying for you. And these specific prayers that they were praying, God was answering. And I don't know this person. I've never met this person, but this is a brother or sister in Christ that we have that God has put on their heart to pray specifically for us. Like it was so, so awesome. There's no other word for that. And to see how God is growing my kids who are little and these tangible items that they know, but it's—they're good. Like as a family, we are good. We are closer to one another because we don't have the distractions of all of the stuff of life. That is the biggest way that God met us. Is He just removed that stuff and it allowed us to focus all of our attention on Him? And through that, we grew closer as a family, together and to the Lord. And something that has kind of come out of this is there were some fires this summer in California and we became in contact with a family that knew a family that had lost everything. And the first thing my kids said were, mom, let's go to the store and let's buy some things for them to send them. And let's write them notes because that meant so much when others did to us. So here they are on the other side of it of, we know this feeling, but man, we want to give We want to pull this blessing on to others because we know exactly how they feel. Hmm. And that was so powerful. And so I look as now we're two years out and things have been replaced. Items, physical, tangible items have been replaced. But I would say across the board, all of us have been transformed in our relationship with Jesus. Hmm. And we're excited to... You know, what is God going to do next? And we've always said we will go and we will do whatever God calls us to do. But actually living that out when it would have been so easy to just run and leave. But God gives us the strength to persevere. And here we are now and we are seeing the blessings from that. And that's very encouraging.
0: Hmm. I love that story of your kids. And, yeah, you would never... I mean, as a mom, you want to shield them from pain and hurt. Um, but look at what that experience has done to them. I mean, they are wise beyond their years. They have a tenderness like like many don't have. And yeah, you're when somebody experiences something they went through, they know how to bless and, and God has now given them this gift of insight and um, and just the way they reacted. I mean, their first instinct was, you know, to give and to help and to, you know, they, they know what they wanted in those times of need. So who better than to minister than, than your family? Um, and I, I just want to read this, this story in Job. Let's see, Job 42, five, my ears have heard of you and now my eyes have seen you. You know, it's like he had walked with God, heard from God, you know, I mean, walked with him for a long time. And it sounds like you all had too. um, you knew God, but now you've seen him. Um, and I think when you're stripped of everything and all you have is God, I mean, you probably know him better than many do. Um, and I just love the way that he, that's how he, you know, praised the Lord in the end was though I, you know, now I've seen you and it sounds like that's what your family can say. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, service, you know, I know your church, there was a big group that served with Samaritan's Purse in Lake Charles, correct? And you were on that team. Um, so you talk to me about what it's like to now wear the orange shirt. You know, you've been blessed and ministered, as you mentioned, sifting through your house by Samaritan's Purse and the disaster response team um, in the orange shirt. But now you guys got to go and do that. What was that like?
1: We did that was i heard that there was a team that was forming and my response right away was i'm going to go like josh i really want to go how can we make this work and then afterwards the fear and the doubt all came in of what did i just say yes to what did i get myself into but uh, there was 12 of us that went from paradise and we didn't know each other when we left our church is large enough that there you don't know everybody and so we hopped on a plane and we got down there and not knowing what we were going into we all understand fire we understand that side of disaster but hurricane is a whole new disaster that we were not familiar with but we all came with the same background of understanding loss and really understand where these homeowners are at because we have been in those shoes and so that first day we put the orange shirts on and we showed up it was incredible to see um, someone referred to it as like a bunch of little orange ants because you pile out of the van and there are these orange shirts just everywhere doing everything from picking up trash in the front yard to yard work to tearing walls down, whatever it may be. Everyone just jumps right in with the same goal. We are here to help and we are here to show them Jesus's love and we are to be the hands and feet of Jesus and it was incredible to see how a group of 15 people that are all from different places and have different stories, but can come together and work together for the greater good. And to watch the homeowner who kind of has a little guard up of why are they here? What are they going to do? Kind of very cautious, okay. but to see that come down as everyone is working together and there is just this love and this light and this joy just shining from this group of individuals who are truly there to help them with no other motives, no other agendas, but to help them in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And as we went into this, God really impressed on me, um, Acts 20, 35. And at the end of that verse, he says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Mm -hmm. As we were there to be able to give hope, because of Jesus. And being a homeowner in those shoes of what do I do next? Where do I go from? How do I even move forward? Like just complete loss of what to do. And this the van pulls up and this truck pulls up and all these orange shirts get out and they are there to help and to love. It was, it was powerful. And I loved, the fact that, yes, we are there to work, and we have tasks that need to be done, but there is this freedom of stop and talk to the home homeowners. If you feel led, if God opens a door, stop and talk. Get to know them. Love their children. Uh, there was one home we were at, and this mama just had so much weight on her shoulders. You could just see it, and we were in her home, and she had three children, and just completely discouraged. There was just this look of, I don't even know how to move forward. And she was very standoffish at the beginning and kind of almost the point of, I don't even know if I want you here. There's so much, else say. I don't have time for this. And As we are working, just praying for this home and this mama, and God opened a door for me to go chat with her and acknowledge, like, you've got a lot on your shoulders. Like, I can't imagine the weight that you're feeling. And for her to share everything that's going on in life and the weight that she was carrying, but then to be able to say, like, Jesus has come to take this burden from you, and he doesn't want you to carry that. And we as believers in Jesus, get to come alongside you and help carry that weight. And that's why we're here. We're here to help take this burden from you. And it was as soon as those words came out, and that's not me, that's God working inside of me, this, she just had this look on her face, like, whoa. And she opened up and started sharing and this laughter and she was happy and the kids were happy and the kids were helping and they were just totally changed by having Samaritan's Purse come alongside and work with them and acknowledging that there is people to help you when you are in the darkest hours in these pits almost they are there to hold your hand and help pull you up. And the way that Samaritan's work, Samaritan's Purse works, then to have these conversations with everyone in orange, but then for the chaplains to come in. And just love these homeowners and be able to pray for them and present Jesus to them. And there is this openness and you see lives changed and transformed. And we are seeing the progress that's going on on the building side of it and the demo. We are seeing lives changed for eternity. The kingdom of heaven is growing in front of us while you are there. And I think that was probably my biggest takeaway was to see the transformation in the And not saying that everyone was open to accepting the Lord, but there were seeds planted. And we can pray now that God is going to use those seeds to bring his children to him because of the hands and the feet of Christ that Samaritan's curse uses. Mm -hmm. So awesome. And I,
0: I know when Josh shared, you know, he shared from Psalm 119, you know, and just how... God, you know, He didn't love what happened to your family, but He loved what God produced in your family. And I just loved how He shared uh, Psalm 1971. it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees and it goes on to say the law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold and so what i'm hearing from you is um here you went through loss um i mean just devastation but rather than you know that can either draw us away from god or to god it sounds like it drew you to him and allowed you to serve in the midst of your pain and and that's why we wanted to start this year with you because you know 2020, um, you know, many are just tired um, and they're weary and they're coming off a hard year. And starting this new year is hard to, you know, sometimes it's a new year's nice because you get to start afresh. But I think many are feeling weary and tired and just kind of like they have nothing left to give. But it sounds like, you know, you know, and I love that that verse in Acts, you know, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so it sounds like you continued to pour in and pour out. What God was teaching you to others, um, and you can almost say that that affliction and that that suffering and pain produced something far greater. And now you can give that away. And so that's why I wanted to start this year with you and just to share with people. You know, we have a hope, um, no matter what you've been through, uh, whether you've lost your home or, or you've just lost your job or you know, there's so many different losses. But we've all lost something this year. Um, but as Christians and as believers we can never lose, you know, our salvation. And, and that's the one thing that can never be taken from us. And so that is, that is a, that gives us hope. You know, like you said, you, you have been, you have lost every physical thing on earth and yet you have come out of this. I mean, you're just glowing and you're joyful and you're radiant. And I'm sure there's been dark days, but out of it, God has produced something in your family and given you hope um, that you're continuing to give to others. So I guess just as we start this year, you know, what would you say some practical ways if people are just feeling hopeless or um, just tired, maybe wanting to throw in the towel, um, maybe wanting to stop even serving um, or, you know, many that are listening work with Marin first, but many are volunteers or people that, that just give or pray. Um, so what would you say maybe some practical ways if you're just wanting to throw in the towel?
1: Um, how can we lean into God in this new year? I think the biggest thing that I know that really helped me through this and our scene is praying a simple prayer of God, open my eyes, allow me to see what is what you have in front of me for today. Mm-hmm. Whether that's through people or situations, whatever you have for me, allow me to see that. And through that, our eyes are opened And I loved when we were in Louisiana, here we are in this home, and it has a lot of damage. And I'm talking with um, a lady who lives there, and I said, what are your plans for Christmas? And she said, you know what, I'm so thankful. We have so much to be thankful for. Our house is still standing. Not everyone was that fortunate to have their homes standing. So we're going to make a traditional Thanksgiving dinner and we're going to go down because there's a place in town where there are many families living in tents because they've completely lost everything. And we are going to take dinner to them and we are going to sit and we are going to have Christmas dinner with them. Now this is someone who is in the middle of loss and the middle of hurt. and She's continuing to put others before herself just that reminder of, you know what, it's not always easy. It's, it's messy, but there are always things in front of us that God can show us one way or another that we can do to encourage and help others. And I think when it becomes so focused on ourselves, and this is so hard for me, kind of the poor, yeah, the victim I've been through so much, it completely changes our view and we miss what God is doing right in front of us. And that discouragement to throw the towel in is so much stronger. So in this surrender of God, allow me to see what you have, what you want me to do and pray for the strength that he would give you for that, because there are so many people hurting around us and a simple act of, you know, a smile right now can bring so much joy to someone and just that God would use you as a light because he has put a light inside each and every one of us. And there are great things that he wants to do through us. So to not give in to that fear or discouragement, but to look for those around that you can love.
0: Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Um, And I know, you know, Jesus's example, you know, he in ministry, you know, he would pull away, you know, and spend time with his father. And I think, you know, we need to do that. We need to be, we can't give what we don't have. And like you said, we all as believers, we have a light. Um, But, you know, the daily demands can can not not that we can be you know, far from God, but we can allow that, you know, by either busyness or weariness. Um, and so we have to renew that daily and we have to spend time in God's word. You know, his yoke is easy. His burden is light, you know, but we have to come to him and find that rest in him so that we can give that to others. And so I love how you said that, you know, look around ways to bless and to give, but, you know, do pour in, you know, read God's word. And, and like you said, you know, you, you leaned into him and and asked him to fill you so that you could give to others. Um, I love that. Um, but I know you know, you said it's been two years now. Um, I know that the scars are still there, um, and and this this doesn't go away. You know, it takes years to rebuild a community. So, how can we continue to pray for your community in California, um, and maybe your your church and the people that you're continuing to minister to?
1: I think the biggest prayer right now for Paradise is the rebuilding process is incredibly slow. Out of, I think eighteen thousand structures were damaged. Right now, as of December 2nd, I looked it up this morning because I wanted to be correct. There have only been 495 homes rebuilt. Wow. So that's still 495 homes that are rebuilt, but that's only 495 homes that are rebuilt. And the process is slow and there is a lot of discouragement because of COVID has set a lot of things back. The cost of building has increased drastically, which is making it very difficult for others to rebuild. And so there is just this, it is a hard process. And so I think pray for endurance for those that are in the middle of it, because it would be very easy to throw the lot for sale and head out because it is a long road ahead for paradise. But at the same time, God is doing some incredible things up there as you pray, pray for our church. Um, Because of the fire, it opened up an opportunity to do a Thursday night dinner to give people a place to come and connect. And it started and it started small, but it has grown and it has not stopped because of COVID. And they are averaging between six and 700 meals every Thursday night that are coming out of the church to the community. And we have seen baptisms just go through the roof. Um, there is this desire to find this hope um, because there is so much brokenness. And so pray that we continue to use this church as a light in the community, and as it has, our community has transformed, God is just working in incredible ways. So just for perseverance, for paradise, and as God would continue to just meet those that are there and those that are hurting.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that update, and yeah, I didn't, that is alarming, you know, just this, the rebuild, um, and and I just imagine covid Probably, you know, again, it's done this to so many communities in Lake Charles, like the one you went to. I mean, communities that have been hit by um, a huge natural disaster on top of COVID um, just almost paralyzes communities. And so that is why Samaritan's Purse, you know, this year has continued to go forward knowing that people more than ever need the hope of Jesus. Um, Because when you've already had disaster and then this compounding problem of COVID, like you said, it will just halt and freeze things and maybe, yeah, make people want to run or just, just say, this is too much. I mean, this is just too much to bear. And my heart aches and grieves for people that don't know the Lord, you know, trying to go through COVID alone. Um, but then, like you said, communities like yours that have been through tragedy, um, it's hard. Um, it's very difficult to rebuild after that without that hope. So thank you for being a light and a beacon and... Um, I love the way that you've also, yeah, the Lord's given you creative ways to minister. So the dinner, I mean, just a place where I'm i I'm imagine it's an outreach where people maybe that don't typically come to church, um, but they'll come for a hot meal and a you know, time of fellowship.
1: Um, I mean, what a great way to to just love on your community. Yes. Yes. And even with COVID and having living in California where our church needs to be outside right now. You know, meeting outside has opened a lot of doors for folks that wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable coming into the church. They're in the parking lot now and they're hearing God's word. And so God is using everything that keeps that we may see as something that's discouraging. God is using it to continue to bring others to him, which is very, very encouraging. And that's, I think, the biggest thing of what is Samaritan's purse. It becomes a family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you meet with Luther and Michelle, like they are precious to us and the communication there. And then we had the opportunity to go to Mystic Lake this summer and the relationships that were created there. And now we're in Louisiana and there are individuals serving there who served in paradise. And so it's this big connection of like the body of Christ, that it's this family and it's not gonna just this one time we meet you and then never again like know that there are people there that when we are in need or when you know you can reach out to and I think that is my favorite part of Samaritan's Purse is this family that it has created
0: I hope you are encouraged by Aaron's testimony I know I truly was edified and my faith was renewed hearing all that they went through and the way that the Lord carried their family If you haven't listened, go back to um, our previous episode. It was November 19th, uh, 2019. Uh, Josh Gallagher, we posted his um, testimony when he came to Samaritan's Purse, and I know it was equally challenging, um, just how they approached suffering. And I know in this new year, it's just encouraging to be reminded that God is with us and He is for us. And hearing Aaron's hope and faith during such a long, hard road reminded me of Romans 5, 1-5. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through Him by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. And as I opened out with um, the hope is our anchor, I just hope that you are encouraged today. As we start this new year, we truly have a hope that cannot be shaken. And so we can approach this new year with hope and faith and perseverance. So I hope and pray that you are encouraged and challenged today. Thank you again for tuning in and may God bless you.